In political debates, it's easy to fall into abstractions, to think of politics as simply a matter of ideas floating in the ether rather than as real policies that affect real people. This is especially true when we talk about transing the kids, which is a very popular topic of discussion on both sides of the aisle. The whole thing is so bizarre, most people have no idea what it looks like in practice. This is what it looks like. This is what giving a 16-year-old girl testosterone looks like. So I got out of my haircut um, because my hair was driving me nuts. And I shaved it because I'm tired of watching my hair thin out and it's less distressing if I shave it. So when I talk about being too far gone, not, I don't really know what else to call it. Um, this is what I mean. This is how deep my voice is. Um, <clears throat> it's gotten deeper over time and it's settled. Um, this is what I mean by hair loss. Um, and it just keeps getting worse. It keeps thinning. It keeps receding backwards. Um, you know, and I'm not exactly sure that's coming back. Um, those are the main things when I talk about being androgenized um, to a point of no return. Um, I really don't see those being fixable. So that's when I talk about, you know, just kind of staying how I am, regardless of how I feel. Um, that's why, just because I, I don't really see me personally being able to come back from what's happened so far. So I hope that's a little explanatory. Your heart just breaks for this girl. And it breaks because deep down, you know that she's right. There is no way to undo the damage inflicted on her body by the adults who mutilated her body. I'm not saying that all hope is lost. It isn't. I'm not saying that she can't live a wonderful life. She certainly can. But something really was taken from her by every adult who should have known better and who allowed this to happen, from her immediate family all the way up to President Biden, who pushes this stuff at the federal level. Okay, something was really taken from her. And we, we labor under this delusion in modern life that nothing's permanent, everything's reversible, there's no, all of your commitments, all of your obligations, all of your decisions about your own body and your life, it, none of it's permanent. You can just change whatever, but that's not true. That there is a lot of irreversible damage that came as a result of this transgender insanity, this fad that's going to pass, but the damage is not going to pass. You'll notice the left never promotes these videos. The left never shows you mutilated kids. Or forget about transgenderism for a second. The left never shows you dying babies in the womb. The left never shows you crime in the border towns. The, the left never shows you addicts who overdose on drugs. The, the left never shows you any of the actual effects of their policies. The left does the opposite. The left relies on euphemisms. That's what political correctness is. Vague words intended to hide harsh realities, intended to deceive. That distinction tells you everything you need to know about American politics in 2022. In order for the left to win, it needs to hide the reality of what it is doing. In order for the right to win, it just needs to convince people to open their eyes. I'm Michael Knowles. It's The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. My favorite comment yesterday is from Heather Webb, who says Madonna is going through the world's longest midlife crisis. That's so true. The country is going through a midlife crisis. The country is going through this absolute 
What is a midlife crisis? A midlife crisis is a refusal to acknowledge the reality of one's own age and the passage of time and the passing away of certain frivolities and the taking on of new responsibilities. And so what, what do we all want to do? We want to all pretend that we're kids again. But the sad thing about a midlife crisis is it, pretending to be a kid again is never going to help. It's only going to make things worse. And that's what we're all going through. We're, as a country, we're refusing to get married. We're refusing to have kids. We're refusing to take on responsibilities. We're refusing to do adulting, you know, to grow up. We're in just in never-never land. And it's, it's great when little kids act like kids. Good for them. But when adults act like kids, things go really, really wrong. Time is passing. You are getting older. And you will, I promise you, die someday. That's why you need to check out Epic Will. Right now, head on over to epicwill.com. Use promo code Knowles. For those of you who have been following the story, Vanderbilt Hospital has agreed to pause all gender transition surgeries on minors. This is a big win. A leftist institution has caved to pressure from the right. That deserves some recognition, but the fight is far from over. There is so much more that we can do to protect our children from evil leftist indoctrination. One very simple thing that you can do today is write a will. Many new parents don't realize how important it is to have a will in place. Even I, until very recently, did not have an updated will that took into account my kids and all my stuff. And the last will I had was from when I was 18 or something like that. I just finally signed on the dotted line and finished my will because I took a little bit of time to make all the decisions, but you can create a will right now. It's very, very simple. Costs 119 bucks for a single person. When you use promo code Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S, you will save 10%. Go to epicwill.com, use promo code Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S, to save 10% on Epic Will's complete will package. That's epicwill.com, promo code Knowles. Some people are opening their eyes. And even people who were Democrats for their whole life, even people who were professionally Democrats, even people who ran for president in the Democrat primary and then dropped out and endorsed the Democrat nominee, Joe Biden, even they are waking up and they are leaving the Democrat party, namely Tulsi Gabbard. I can no longer remain in today's Democratic Party that's under the complete control of an elitist cabal of warmongers who are driven by cowardly wokeness, who divide us by racializing every issue and stoking anti-white racism, who actively work to undermine our God-given freedoms that are enshrined in our Constitution, who are hostile to people of faith and spirituality, who demonize the police but protect criminals at the expense of law-abiding Americans, who believe in open borders, who weaponize the national security state to go after their political opponents, and above all, who are dragging us ever closer to nuclear war. Now, I believe in a government that's of the people, by the people, and for the people. Unfortunately, today's Democratic Party does not. Instead, it stands for a government that is of, by, and for the powerful elite. Now, I'm calling on my fellow common sense, independent-minded Democrats to join me in leaving the Democratic Party. If you can no longer stomach the direction that the so-called woke Democratic Party ideologues are taking our country, then I invite you to join me. She is 100% correct. Every word she said, every syllable she said is correct. There's no but. There's no but. I, 
I often do not focus on the stories of so-and-so's leaving the left or the liberals or the Democrats or whatever, because I just think, okay, yeah, we always cheer when some lib you know, is no longer comfortable in the Democrat party and we make a big to-do out of it. But usually the person remains fairly liberal or vice versa. You know, some liberal Republican finally says, okay, I hate these conservatives. I'm thinking of Adam Kinzinger or Liz Cheney or whatever, but some big lib who pretends to be a Republican says, okay, I'm, a, I'm not going to be a Republican anymore. And all of a sudden the, the libs cheer and they, they go crazy and they make a big to-do out of it. And I think it's often disingenuous. But what we're seeing here from Tulsi Gabbard is something genuinely novel. You don't get the impression, listening to that, that she, well, she was just mistaken to be a Democrat. Come on, Tulsi, you know, you're just, you're a Republican. You just don't know it yet. No, that's not, you don't get that feeling. You get the feeling that she could have fit into the Democratic Party maybe at some point, but there were always things that are a little different. I think Tulsi Gabbard genuinely is an independent. The things she's talking about there are kind of edgy. She's calling out anti-white racism. That's the sort of thing that you really are not permitted to call out in either party. Certainly not until very, very recently you were not allowed to call that out. She's calling out warmongers in both parties. Again, this is the sort of thing that you're you're not really allowed to talk about. Right now, the Democrats are absolutely belligerent over the war in Ukraine. They seem bloodthirsty for for a more direct confrontation with Russia. That's certainly been the effect of what the administration has done. That's what she's calling out. She's totally right. And Republicans are kind of mixed on it. Republicans, certainly during the Bush era, and since then, they've kind of just gone along with the national security state. Speaking of the national security state, she's calling out the the government spying on us. Neither party really calls that out. The, The Republicans cheered it on as especially during the Bush era, the national security state began to take uh, more and more power to spy on civilians. The Republicans were totally fine with that. And now the Democrats are the one wielding that power. The Democrats are the ones who wield the, the IC and all of those surveillance powers to spy on the Trump campaign, to undermine the Republican nominee for president, to undermine his administration, to go after ordinary conservatives, to attack not just Trump, you know, and to, to, knock down the door of Mar-a-Lago practically because, because Donald Trump is the chief political rival to Joe Biden, but to go after parents who say we don't want our kids to be taught weird stuff in schools, to go after ordinary conservatives who, who are now maligned as insurrectionists and terrorists and far-right semi-fascists. So you can't really call it out in either party. Tulsi Gabbard is actually just kind of opening her eyes up to the problem of the liberal blob, the liberal establishment that is pushed by the left and that is largely tolerated by the right. So I cheer her on. I have no but here. I suspect she and I disagree on certain issues that she did not bring up in that video. But in that video, in her declaration of why she's leaving the Democrat Party, she expresses a clearer view of political reality than every Democrat and then most Republicans. Incredible stuff. I cheer her on. And and frankly, I think what you're going to see, and you're already beginning to see this, the Trump movement, I think, was fairly representative of this. You're going to see a kind of third force in politics emerge that, that really sees far greater similarity between the establishment Republicans 
and the Democrats than difference. They're going to say that the Republican-Democrat game that we've seen certainly for the last 20, 30 years is, is really just kind of two sides of the same coin. It's a kind of sock puppet battle where whichever party wins, the, the problems that really matter to Americans are going to get worse. Whichever party wins, immigration is going to become more and more of a problem. Whichever party wins, the hollowing out of American manufacturing is going to get worse and worse. Whichever party wins, the foreign policy is just going to be the same old swampy stuff that's been conducted since the end of the Cold War. And they're going to see, this is, seems like kind of a rigged game, and you're going to see more independent thinkers. Whether or not that can coalesce into a cohesive political movement, that remains to be seen. But Tulsi Gabbard has taken a huge step in that direction. And she looks good doing it. And if you want to look good, you got to check out Nizen in Maine. Right now, head on over to mizzenandmain.com. Use promo code at Knowles. I am very particular about my shirts. I am for a couple of reasons. One, I have a very particular sense of style. And two, I'm of Italian extraction. And so we tend to sweat a little bit. Mizzen and Maine has the answer to both. Mizzen and Maine was born when their founder saw a sweat-drenched DC staffer running into a meeting, wrinkled, stained, exhausted, disgusting, okay? His shirt needed a refresh. That is what drove Mizzen and Maine to make the world's first performance fabric dress shirt. Ten years later, they now make incredibly comfortable flannels, no-tuck shirts, performance polos. Those are some of my absolute favorites that they make, by the way. Chinos, so much more, all in that same performance fabric. The thing I love about these guys, they get what you need from a very practical level, you know, the, the, the usefulness of the shirt to keep you from sweating everywhere is really, really great. But the style, they understand style, understatement class. If you want the best dress shirts money can buy, check out Mizzen and Maine. Right now, if you want to go to mizzenandmaine.com and you use promo code Knowles, you will receive 35 bucks off any regular price order of 125 bucks or more. That's 35 bucks off when you go to M-I-Z-Z-E-N-A-N-D-M-A-I-N.com. Use promo code Knowles. People are leaving the Democrat Party. They're identifying less strongly with the Democrat Party because the reality of Democrat policies is now undeniable because we see it when we go to the gas tank and we see it when we go to the supermarket and we see it when we look at the first major war in Europe since World War II and we see it when we see these poor little kids getting transed, okay? You can't, you can't deny that anymore. And so as a result, the Republicans are just much more popular. There's a survey just came out. This is from Morning Consult. It's the political intelligence poll. It's, it's just a ranking of the popularity of governors. And you can see here at the top, here are the top 10 most popular governors in the country. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Nine of them are Republicans. Nine of the top 10 most popular governors in the country are Republicans heading into the midterm elections, looking forward to 2024 and the presidential election really, really bad sign for Democrats. So could Dem are Democrats guaranteed to get completely blown out? No. And why? Why not? Because the Democrats still wield an insane amount of power. And the only way that they're going to win is if they rig the game. I'm pretty confident to say that. I don't think that that is, that that is a tinfoil hat or anything. Barring some major change in world politics right now, if you look at all the numbers today, Biden's approval ratings, the generic congressional ballot, you look at the specific races, you look at the most popular politicians in the country, there is no way that the Democrats don't get blown out of the water unless they cheat. And they, they can cheat in ways that are technically legal too. So I'm not saying that it's going to be a cabal of shadowy alien reptiles who are, you know, uh, working with Hugo Chavez to change voting machines. It doesn't, it could be that, I guess, but it's, I'm not saying it has to be that. What they can do is 
similar strategies that they've tried, especially in 2020 and before that, which is that they can push for widespread mail-in ballots. They can push poll watchers out of, out of the room, or they can take a long time to count the votes so that there is less oversight on counting the vote. They can encourage non-citizens to vote. They can, they can extend election day to election season. They can do all the stuff that they have ordinarily done. And they, we know that they are doing some of that right now. So there's a story out of Colorado. Voting is generally controlled by the secretaries of state, the state secretaries of state. The Colorado Democrat Secretary of State uh, accidentally sent 30,000 voter registration notices to non-citizens. Oops. Whoopsie daisy. Yes, that's right. 30,000 or so non-citizens living in Colorado were mistakenly sent postcards late last month encouraging them to register to vote because uh, Jenna Griswold's office, the Democrat Secretary of State, uh, sent them out. Uh, they, they compared a list of names of 102,000 people provided by the Electronic Registration Information Center to a database of Colorado residents issued driver's licenses. And because of the difference in the lists, the non-residents, the non-citizens rather, got, got the notices. Maybe this was just a mistake. I'm a little skeptical of that. A lot of mistakes, don't you think? It's amazing. The election of Democrats is the leading cause of mistakes and coincidences and whoopsie daisies in the whole country. I'm a little skeptical that it was a mistake, but let's say that it is. That's no excuse. The fact of the matter is non-citizens are being encouraged by Democrats, by the state, to go out and register to vote. We know that Democrats want non-citizens to vote. Democrats in, in certain cities are trying to make non-citizens eligible to vote, places like New York, places like San Francisco. We know that Democrats are trying to make it easier for people who should not vote to vote. We know that they're doing this with convicts. We know that they're doing this with people when they go get their driver's licenses. This is, we know that the Democrats are flooding the country with non-citizens to get an electoral advantage. They've written about this. They've bragged about this. This is the strategy. You're not allowed to say it but, because you'll complain about it, but they are allowed to say it because they're celebrating it and they're pushing that strategy. That's what they're going to do. Why are they doing that? It's not because they support democracy, I'll tell you that. If they supported democracy, then they would allow the people to run their own government. But they know their policies are not popular, and so they've got to rig the game. These politicians, these Democrats, look really, really bad. There's a Louisiana Democrat who's running for Congress who just released an ad focused largely on defending abortion. In the ad, there is a video of her actually giving birth to her son. I'm Katie Darling, and I live on a farm in St. Tammany Parish. Our family composts, collects rainwater, and grows our own food. My husband and daughter help take care of the chickens. And there's someone else who's going to be joining us and helping to pitch in with farm life very soon. But these days, I worry about storms that are stronger and more frequent because of climate change, about our kids underperforming public schools, and about Louisiana's new abortion ban, one of the strictest and most severe in the country. We should be putting pregnant women at ease, not putting their lives at risk. I haven't spent my career in Washington. I've worked my way up from bartender to CEO. Now, I help nurses organize our complicated health records. Because nurses aren't just heroes, they're saints. Louisiana deserves better than the path we're on. 
I'm Katie Darling, and I'm running for Congress because I want that better path. For you, for her, and here we go. For him. That is the most psychotic ad. Not forget even psychotic. It's the most psychopathic political ad I have ever seen in my in my entire life. Excuse me. I wasn't getting choked up. I just hiccuped. <laughs> but I could be getting choked up. That is absolutely psycho. One, if you if you run for office at all, you're you have at least a 15% chance of being a psychopath, just generally, in either party. Then if you invite a political film crew in to roll tape while you're giving birth, you have a 99.7% chance of being a stone-cold psychopath. And then if you can hold your newborn baby boy and look into the camera and celebrate the right to dash his brains out, to uh, that's actually not what happens in an abortion. If you would defend the right to uh, poison him and then dismember him, this little newborn baby that you are holding in your hands, the, the, the legal right to rip that baby limb from limb, not five seconds before that ad could have been filmed, you have a 100% chance of being a psychopath, which this woman obviously is. And it got me thinking, why the hell would she ever air this? She looks nuts. She looks like a stone cold killer. And I suspect the thinking here was to try to, <laughs> to try to split the baby on the issue because Louisiana is a largely pro-life state. She's running as a Democrat. And so she doesn't want to seem completely cold and callous like the infanticidal maniac that she is. So she says, okay, what I'm going to do is with my words, I'm going to defend abortion. And then in my actions, I'm going to seem like a loving mother. And so I'm going to appeal to both people, the kind of traditional voters and also the psychos who want to kill all the babies. And I, for me, at least, probably for you, the effect of that is the opposite. She just looks like Lady Macbeth, out damned spot, you know, dashing her, her baby's brains out. But I suspect that was a little bit of the thinking there. The, the other really telling thing here is everyone in, in the in the ad is seen. Every subject of the ad is seen. The husband gets a lot of FaceTime. The little, little daughter gets a lot of FaceTime. The candidate obviously gets a lot of FaceTime. The only person who we, we see a little bit of the, of the person's back, but we never see the person's face, is the newborn baby. And now this, I think, ties right in with what we were talking about at the top. It's very hard to support abortion if you see a little baby. And newborn babies are cute. Their faces are all kind of smushy and cute, you know. So you would think in a political ad, if, you, if, you're, if you're stone cold psycho enough to push your birth in a political ad, you want the cutest part of the, the whole scene in the ad, right? The most appealing, attractive part. But she can't put the baby's face in the ad for the same reason that the libs can't show you the, the actual transgendered kids who have had their bodies mutilated. For the same reason they can't show you the actual border towns where all of those illegal aliens show up. For the same reason that they can't show you all of the overdose victims of their drug policies. They can't show you the reality of the policies that they are advocating. The libs used to used to split the baby a little more artfully on the issue of abortion. This is how you got the Clintons incoherent but somewhat politically attractive scheme of safe, legal, and rare abortion. 
which appealed to centrists, even though it doesn't make sense because if abortion is murder, then it shouldn't be legal. And if abortion is, is morally uh, neutral, then it, there's no reason for it to be rare. But, but now that the Democrats have taken the much more aggressive sort of sacramental view of abortion on demand without apology up until the very moment of birth, and, and at least they're being honest about their views. In some ways, I appreciate that more than them trying to pretend, trying to have it both ways on the issue of abortion. But they're making claims on abortion that just don't make any sense at all. One of which is now the Democrats frame all of their political issues as essential to democracy, democracy with a capital D. And everything the Republicans do, it's not just that it's bad. It's not just that it'll it'll lead to a less flourishing society. It's that it's a threat, an existential threat to our democracy. And so now the Democrats are claiming, this is a panelist on MSNBC, claiming that a legal abortion is essential to democracy. And the backdrop to that candidacy is uh, women losing the right to an abortion for the uh, first time in 50 years. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the rollback of women's rights here is very concerning and it is tied. And I think, look, we many of us understand how profound the rollback you know, of abortion rights after Dobbs is for women's autonomy and ability to thrive in this nation. What I think we talk less about or think less about is what that does to undermine democracy, mm. that ultimately women's full and equal participation in society at every level, including bodily autonomy, is fundamental to democracy functioning. What does that woman think democracy means? Democracy is government by the people. That's all democracy is. Democracy is when people vote and the majority rules. That's democracy. In what world is abortion necessary for democracy? What if most people vote to outlaw abortion? That would be an expression of democracy. Most people are women, by the way. Women are the only majority that has ever somehow been presented as a minority in public. It's kind of strange. But why, so you get, and you're seeing this now in a lot of red states, not just a slim majority of people, but a strong majority of people through their elected representatives, banning abortion or severely restricting abortion. That would be an expression of democracy, just by definition, but not according to that woman. Why? Because when the liberals use the word democracy, they don't really mean democracy. They don't like democracy. That's why when the people elect Trump, they say this is an assault on democracy. And of course it's not. It's an expression of democracy. When the people elect Georgia Maloney in Italy, it's an assault on democracy, even though most people voted for it. When, or at least the plurality of people and the most people voted for the coalition. When, when the majority of Hungarians elect Viktor Orban, who's a conservative, they say oh, this is an assault on democracy. Because this woman is saying not that abortion per se, is a prerequisite for democracy. She's really saying liberalism, writ large, is essential to democracy. Now, that's not true. It's not. You can have, you can have a conservative democracy. You can have a communist democracy. You can have a liberal democracy. You can have a fascist democracy. You can have, democracy is just what the, what the majority of people want. Right? That's all that is. So they specifically mean a liberal democracy. A democracy where the people don't really have a right to question the central tenets of liberalism, which include self-definition, which include a maximal autonomy, which include, in practice, killing babies 
and trancing the kids and destroying the, the family and tearing down beauty and, and, and d- ruining your society. That's what it means. And they're saying that's, that stuff's non-negotiable. In order to have the democracy as we envision it, that stuff is completely non-negotiable. The liberalism is what it's all about. And the liberalism is not supported by the majority of people. The, where that MSNBC lady and where the left thinks that liberalism and democracy are synonymous, sane people realize they're actually at odds because most people don't want all that crap. So they're at odds. And when they're at odds, the left is pushing liberalism. Liberalism is a minority political movement pushed by a small group of elite yet very powerful people from the top down on the rest of us. And the rest of us cut across all sorts of demographics, racial, religious, geographic, even partisan these days. That's what you're seeing when Tulsi Gabbard says, I'm leaving the Democrat party. It doesn't represent me anymore. She's saying, I can't, I know the Democrats theoretically are in power, but they're not representing me. They're not representing what most people want. Liberalism and democracy are at odds. Whenever you hear people call America a liberal democracy, it's just completely bogus. Even that term, I gave a speech on this not that long ago at the National Conservatism Conference. That term, liberal democracy, is a very new term. It appears nowhere in the Constitution, nowhere in the Declaration of Independence, it, nowhere in the Federalist Papers. Every time democracy, democracy is not mentioned in the first two of those documents at all. Every time it's mentioned in the Federalist, it's only done so negatively. Liberalism is not used to refer to a political philosophy in any of those documents. The term pops up in the 1930s, and then it starts to gain a little bit of fraction in the 50s. It doesn't really explode until 1982. If you just look at a simple Google engram search of English literature, it doesn't, doesn't really begin to take off until the 80s. So if America's a liberal democracy, that would be news to everyone for the first 200 years of America's existence. It's just bogus. It's just totally bogus. And you've got to pick a side. In this particular battle between liberalism and democracy, which side are you on? Well, that's the battle right now between not the left and the right, exactly, not between the Democrats and the Republicans, exactly. It's between what you would call the modern liberal establishment and the kind of Trumpian MAGA populists. That's, that's where that fight is, okay? And it, it's why you're seeing a kind of weird shakeup of the political climate where you've got even a Democrat presidential candidate like Tulsi Gabbard. She's now clearly moving to the right. She's at the very least leaving the Democrat Party. You're seeing establishmentarian liberals like Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger move over to the side of the kind of Democrats. That's what the Never Trump movement was. That's, you're, you're seeing this, this total shakeup right now. It's why Joe Biden is excluding Trump supporters from his even scheme of politics. He's saying, look, I have no problem with Republicans. I just have a problem with MAGA Republicans. They're not mainstream. What are you talking about, dude? 90% plus, what is it? Probably 93% of the Republican Party supports Donald Trump or has supported Donald Trump at some point. You're talking about a tiny sliver. I'm being as generous as I can to the Never Trump movement and saying it's 6 or 7% of the Republican vote. And Joe Biden says, no, that's the legitimate mainstream Republican view. No, it's not. Joe Biden is actually proving the point of the populists. Joe Biden is proving the point of, of the independents and of Tulsi Gabbard, where he's saying, listen, I support Republicans as long as they're part of the uniparty liberal establishment that only gives you the illusion of choice but doesn't actually offer you any difference. Well, no, damn it. We, we don't want any kind of uniparty or any sort of sock puppet game. We want a choice. 
not an echo, to use the words of Phyllis Schlafly in the early days of the post-World War II conservative movement. That's what we want. That's what Tulsi Gabbard wants. That's what Donald Trump wants. That's what the people called the new right want. That's what the people who are disillusioned with this, this is what Republicans other than the Liz Cheney's and the Adam Kinzinger's of the world want, okay? Which side are you on in that battle? You can't, you can't just go back <laughs> to the 1980s. There are some very nice, amiable Republicans who just wish we could go take a time machine and go back to the 1980s. Wasn't that so great? I love Ronald Reagan. Yeah, I like Reagan too. I don't like the the caricature that some squishes have made of Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan was a tough dude. Okay, Ronald Reagan got the same kinds of attacks that Donald Trump got. They called him a Nazi and a racist and outside the mainstream and fringe and a cowboy and all that stuff, okay? And I think a lot of the people who extol the virtues of Reagan today, they would have been Bushies back in the 80s. They would have been on the establishment side. It's just my hunch, okay? But we're in a different age now. The, The battles that were going on 40 years ago are not the battles that are going on today. And nostalgia is history after a few drinks. And we are, we are, I think, obligated to exercise some political courage and say, no, no, we're in the battles right now. It's not enough to bury your head in the sand and go along with uh, the kind of established view that the Disney, the Disney World version of politics. No, because Disney is transing the kids too. No, you've got to pick a side. Which side are you on? You know, back in June of 2020, Candace Owens took to social media to question the narrative about George Floyd. She took a barrage of insults as a result. Celebrities insulted her. GoFundMe deplatformed her. As the attacks ramped up, Daily Wire Plus gave her a platform to speak out without fear of being silenced and supported her investigation into Black Lives Matter. That organization raised $80 million or more through fundraising. But no one ever asked where the money went until now. Tonight, Candace Owens will reveal the truth in her new documentary, The Greatest Lie Ever Sold, exclusively on Daily Wire Plus. More than two years later, the story you never knew is more relevant than ever. And finally, the truth is coming out. The longer the media stay silent, the louder we get, the more momentum we gain. Your Daily Wire Plus membership goes a long way to ensuring folks like Candace Owens and Matt Walsh and everyone here has a megaphone. Free speech is our greatest weapon. Remember, we are speaking for you and fighting for your beliefs as well. If you are not yet a member, go to dailywire.com to subscribe and join us today. Tune in this week to watch Candace Owens' new documentary, The Greatest Lie Ever Sold, exclusively on Daily Wire Plus. I found my favorite Washington Post article this week. Every week, I think they've reached the absolute bottom of the barrel. I mean, the Washington Post is Pravda on the Potomac, the absolute archetypal uh, megaphone for the political establishment. They are nothing but a, a propaganda rag. They would fit in great in North Korea or China or Russia or anywhere else. This is the headline in the Washington Post. Spread of Catholic hospitals limits reproductive care across the United States. Religious doctrine restricts access to abortion and birth control and limits treatment options for miscarriages and ectopic pregnancies. None of that is true. That's just a complete lie. Think about the logic here. They're saying there are a lot of Catholic hospitals. That's true. The Catholic church is the 
most philanthropic organization in the history of the world. You might love the Catholic Church. You might hate the Catholic Church. That's just an historic fact. The church has been around a long time, got a lot of resources, and has done a lot of charitable activities. Schools, hospitals, all the rest of it. So especially this is true of hospitals. There are Catholic hospitals all over the place. The Catholic Church builds hospitals. The church considers that part of her mission in the world. How does building more hospitals restrict any kind of quote-unquote care? Let's say, I'm just making up numbers here. Let's say you've got five lib hospitals. And the lib hospitals trans the kids and they kill the babies and they do all the stuff that the libs like to do. And then the Catholic Church comes in and it doesn't knock down the lib hospitals, even though it probably should. It doesn't go to the representatives and say, you got to get rid of all these lib hospitals, even though it probably should. The Catholic Church just builds more hospitals. So you got five lib hospitals, and then you got, let's say, 15 Catholic hospitals. And the Catholic hospitals won't trans the kids and won't kill the babies. In what world is that limiting access, even to the fake care that the libs are, even even to transing the kids and, and killing the babies? It's not doing that at all. It's just offering something different. But no good deed goes unpunished, especially in this liberal establishment. The libs can't take that. If if the Catholic Church were going in and shutting down liberal hospitals, I would cheer that on. I would be there on the sidelines uh, doing jumping jacks, waving pom-poms, and praying the rosary. I would absolutely love that. But that's not what's going on. That's not what the libs even have the problem with. The libs have the problem with the Catholics just being Catholic. The libs have the problem with the Catholics building hospitals to do wonderful work to offer all kinds of services if they won't also kill babies and trans the kids. That is how coercive the left is. That is how insistent and totalitarian the left is. The the left is insisting on a total state, not just where they get to commit all their, their crimes against humanity and against poor little kids, not even just a state where they have special privileges because the state is liberal. They are pushing for a state where where Catholics don't get to be Catholic, where Catholics don't get to have hospitals, where it would be better to not have hospitals at all than to have hospitals that don't trans the kids and kill the babies. That is what we're talking about. Do you think that that's, that would be the majority view of the people? Do you think the majority of the people think, as the liberals do, as the Washington Post does, that if a hospital won't kill the babies and trans the kids, that it shouldn't be built or that it should be shut down? Of course not. The majority of people, when you really get down to the pro-life question and you get into the nitty-gritty on, on in, if, if abortion is to be tolerated, at what point abortion should be tolerated, the country is overwhelmingly pro-life in the vast majority of cases. That's not what the people want. It's what the liberal ruling class wants. The, the battle here is between the democracy and the liberalism. And the liberalism right now is ruling and the the liberalism right now is winning. Even though the people are being convinced more and more and more that liberalism is bad, it doesn't matter. The liberals still have so much of the power. Speaking of church, there is some kind of fake church somewhere. And actually, there are a lot of fake churches that have been doing this. You've seen a lot of clips of this. I've even heard stories of this anecdotally from people I know who know of these churches or who, who even attend these churches that will invite drag queens in to preach a kind of transvestite pseudo-gospel, specifically to kids. This is one that's just been going viral over the last few days. 
Do you have any questions for Miss Pentecost? Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, you like her eyeshadow. That's great. Yeah, yeah. Maybe she'll let you borrow it when you're older, like when you're allowed to wear makeup. Just, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Well, one of the things I think is great about Miss Pentecost is she reminds us that we we follow a God who calls us to not conform to things of this world. Uh, that we're supposed to be transformed by the renewal of our minds, and that means that what I think today may have to change tomorrow if I continue to renew my mind. And it's so cool that we serve a God that calls us to continue to grow and continue to to change into something new. This is horrifying for many, many reasons, but I will tell you, just as a sort of, not a defense, but it just in all fairness to that drag queen who calls himself Miss Pentecost. So just this, this sacrilegious mockery of the Pentecost when the, the Holy Spirit descends and makes so many thousands of disciples. I am much less offended by the guy who puts on a dress and pretends to be a woman than I am by the other guy next to him who dresses up and pretends to be a priest. The man is obviously not a valid priest. I don't know which heretical, schismatic sect of Christianity this is. I read somewhere it was some version of Methodism, but whatever, who knows? It's some obviously gone completely insane, heretical, blasphemous, schismatic sect of Christianity that's preaching an an anti-gospel, just completely the opposite of Christianity. But worth pointing out too, Christ speaks very specifically in the gospel about what that priest is doing and what that transvestite is doing too, but, but more so the priest. And it's, it's a verse of the gospel that is frequently invoked in, in the transing the kids debate or, or especially in the abortion debate where he says, you know, uh, the, the people who lead the littlest ones astray it, it, it would be better for them to have mill, millstones tied around their necks. That, that, that is basically the effect of what will happen if you lead the little ones astray, who, who offends the least of, of these people. And it, the verse is often misinterpreted to mean people who just you know, go out and smack a kid or, or abuse a child or you know, kill a baby in the womb or something like that. But it, it's, the verse is not really speaking about you know, beating a child. The verse is speaking about the sin of scandal, leading someone astray, causing someone to stumble. That's what the priest is doing. And it's a it's an absolutely horrifying scene, obviously, and no one should attend that ridiculous church and the priest should get another job and beg forgiveness from God. But it, it shows you what leftism does. It, it ties in, forgetting the religious question, for putting it aside for a second, it shows you what leftism does. Leftism goes into every institution and cuts it open like the opening scene of The Empire Strikes Back and pulls out the guts of that thing and then crawls inside and starts to animate it like Night, Night of the Living Dead. That's what it does. And it does it with priestly attire. It does it with the churches. It does it with the universities. It does it with our systems of government. And it, it creates a, a kind of a show, a deceit a sock puppet theater of our public institutions, of our politics. And I, when I say politics, I don't just mean Schoolhouse Rock, you know, Capitol Hill and everything. I'm talking about all of the power centers that we have, the, the businesses, the, the universities, the classrooms, all of it. It goes in and it makes a kind of show of everything. 
And it often pretends that there's even political opposition, but there's not. There is just ultimately the kind of uniparty. And it's leading people to be deeply distrustful of the established institutions. This is what is leading Tulsi Gabbard to, to fall away from the Democrat party. It's what's leading a lot of Trump supporters to say, look, I like Trump. I want to make America great again. I'm conservative. I'm right wing, but I'm not some establishment Republican. I disagree with the Republican establishment on many, if not most issues. Okay. I guess I'm just something different. I'm just a crazy guy who doesn't want to kill the babies, doesn't want to trans the kids, wants to wave the American flag, wants to have actual borders, doesn't want to engage in adventurism overseas and lead to nuclear Armageddon. I call me crazy. That's just what I, that's just me. And a lot of people are there. I bet a plurality of the people are pretty much somewhere right around there, if not an outright majority of the people. And increasingly, as, as the liberal establishment doubles down, right? Whenever people question the liberal establishment's power, what do they do? They start putting up big fences and barricades and barbed wire in Washington, D.C. What does the liberal establishment do? They start censoring you. They kick you off social media. They deplatform you. They take your money out of PayPal. They freeze your accounts. They arrest you. They investigate you in some cases. I mean, they're, they're really getting much more aggressive. They call parents domestic terrorists for questioning what their kids are learning in schools. They call half the country semi-fascist. They're really, really tightening their grip right now on power. And so you're, you're going to see this debate as we move into 20, the end of 2022, 2023, 2024. The battle is not going to be Republican versus Democrat necessarily, even really left versus right exactly. You're going to see a battle in this cracking up of what has been understood to be the American system in recent years, which is liberal democracy. You're, it's going to be that crack up there, and it's going to be a battle between the liberalism and the democracy. Pick a side. The rest of the show is continuing now in the members block. It is Woke Wednesday. And so my producer, Ben Davies, has teed up a new challenge for me. It is from the channel Love Don't Judge. And the challenge is to see how long I can just totally, simply, merely love without any kind of judgments whatsoever creeping into my head. I'm not sure how long I'm going to make it. If you are not a member, click the link in the description and join us. We will see you on the member block.